Hi, I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Scott. And this is Fall Risk. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Fall Risk. Today we've got kind of a special guest, Scott Robinson, the one, the only. I, th- I say that, it's kind of funny because there's two of them, or there was two of them out here at one point. Uh, so Scott Robinson is on the podcast today. Um, you're kind of a man of many talents. I would say maybe a renaissance man to some. You kind of have a lot, a lot of stuff under your belt. We'll get into it in a little bit here, but would you say, how do you feel about that? I've, I've done a bunch of things. Yeah. I've been uh, bounced around the drop zone uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Renaissance man. I'm going to I'm going to say renaissance man. I get behind that. <laughs> um, so just to start like to I would say that some of the people who are going to be listening to this, they're, they're not from Scott Edmund West. So they're not really going to understand, you know, who you are, where you come from, you know, what kind of your creds are. So let's uh, let's establish just some basics here. Um, give me the rundown, like years in the sport, jump numbers, occupation, instructor ratings, if you've got any, that kind of stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. I've been in the sport for a little over 12 years. I uh, worked as a videographer initially, AFF instructor, tandem instructor. I've been an AFF instructor, or excuse me, a uh, iFly instructor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was an iFly trainer. And I'm currently a jump pilot. Okay. How many how many jumps? How many hours? Uh, oh man! You know, in the plane, in the tunnel. I could not even tell you my tunnel hours for things, but um, <laughs> so, somewhere between four and a half and five thousand skydives, okay. uh, just about two thousand hours flying airplanes, and yeah, I had so many so many hours in the tunnel. Yeah. Back and- when I fly was. Uh, a little bit more lenient on how much time you're allowed to fly. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, Good old days. So I, th- so I think that that's a fair assumption then, and uh, to call you a renaissance man. But then wi- within like just skydiving itself, what kind of disciplines were you into? I was primarily a free flyer and a canopy pilot. I competed in both at nationals and local things, FLCPA, all that fun stuff. Um, lots of big ways, all that. But yeah, primarily swooping and yeah. free flying. So a pretty wide spectrum. Okay. <clears throat> what came first, skydiving or piloting? Skydiving. Yeah. Yep. I went for my, it was actually, <laughs> it was kind of a cool story. Uh, I went for my buddy's bachelor party. He was a real traditional Muslim. So mm-hmm. we were like, all right, cool. Like you don't, you don't party, you don't drink. So what can we do? That's going to piss off your wife before the wedding. <laughs> so we took him skydiving and uh, I jumped. It was like, I always wanted to go, but I immediately was I this is awesome I want to do this and sat down with my uh videographer shout out to uh, Alex Cashman <laughs> um and it's like I'm gonna save my money and I'm coming back in a year and I want you to teach me how to skydive cool and uh actually the big part of the video that got me was he put his swoop in, in the tandem <laughs> video and I was like I don't know what you just did with that parachute but I want to learn how to do that that's and, cool uh, never look back nice all right um so that was in 2010 2011? Uh, 2011, yep. 2011. All right. It's been a while. Um, so you talked a little bit about how, like, that first jump got made. Like, at what point, though, did you decide, like, this is for me? I mean, because you, you you make the decision, like, I want to try the next thing, right? Like, I know I know this is something I'm interested in, but at what point did you know, like, I'm home? Wow, that's a good question. Um, probably about end of AFF, I would okay. want to say. Uh when I it was just flying the parachutes Mm -hmm. Uh, I was like oh this like I get this this Mm -hmm. part makes sense and 
you know, I'm landing from those and just kind of feeling like, oh yeah, this is a lot of fun and mm-hmm. there's so much to learn. And yeah. seeing all the other jumpers on there, all the other disciplines that were through there, it's like there's so much to learn and I am hooked and just want to soak it all in. And like with such an amazing community, everyone's just always willing to share like, oh, here's a hint, here's a tip. And it was a, it was awesome just to be a, p- a part of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, what was your first jump like? Uh, or I guess, do you remember your first jump? Do you remember it very clearly? Like the tandem or your a- first AFF jump? I Tandem, I wouldn't say I remember it clearly. Okay. Um, it was, I remember all the people. I remember going there. I remember like sitting up in the ride up to altitude, but the jump, you know, adrenaline blackout probably. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I do remember being the feeling I wasn't scared to do the jump. Yeah. I was scared of the unknown. Yeah. Like this, I don't know what's going to happen. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to happen. There is no hesitation with it. But I was definitely kind of like, I don't know what I don't know right mm-hmm. now. And um, yeah, and it was, uh, I just remember wearing basketball shorts, which was a funny, weird <laughs> feeling when you're sitting on the edge of a plane and you got a a lot of air rushing around your shorts. I was like, ah, this is this feels weird. <laughs> and then we're in free fall. I'm like, ah, okay, it's all all fun mm-hmm. after that. All right. Do you, so. What do you have a good idea of like the earliest one you can remember, like fully, like because it's always interesting to see, to hear who who remembers what. Um, we always tell tandem students and stuff like you're not going to remember. That's why you should get video, you know, like or AFF students that same. You're not going to remember this like in in a year or in two years. You're not going to remember this whole thing. So it's always it's always kind of a fun, interesting thing to to hear like which one do you hear clearly? Like for me personally, my last AFF jump is the only one I really remember. Like I don't really remember any of the ones prior to that. And I think I did a, a handful of tandems before I started AFF. Um, and I just remember it because I messed up. Like there, there's something I messed up. I fist bumped my instructor when he, when he told me to pull. Um, I, just, nice. I, I, I was killing it. I was feeling myself. I was doing great. I was like, I knew I had nailed it. And he was smiling and told me to pull and I fist bumped him. I was like, yeah, we're killing it. Like, good job. Good us. Like I pulled on time. I, you know, made it back to the drop zone. So I messed up. Um, and I, that's the reason I remember it is because it was like a core memory made like after the fact, uh, you get that pull signals like yeah i am number one yeah Yeah. it's me (laughs) well so so this where i come from this hand signal is not used like we do not use the pointed finger they have us use a closed fist um i think here it's practice touch right yep yeah so we use this the the reasoning behind it was the higher ups had decided that this looks too much like pointing and they'd had some problems with people looking at this and then turning and and looking at whatever the person was pointing at Uh, i got you um so they switched it over to this and if you do it to me just like this, it looks like a fist bump, right? Uh, I got you. And I had yep. never been given that. I'd never seen pull as a hand signal throughout my entire AFF, you know, progression. And uh, I fist bumped the owner, oh, <laughs> one nice. of the owners of the job zone, <laughs> and then immediately regretted it later <laughs> on the ground when I realized what I'd done. So I'm, I'm just curious, like, is there anything that sticks out in your AFF progression like that is truly memorable or for whatever reason, like? Just curious. I getting the beer symbol or the beer hand signal. Um, There's a hand signal for that. What? Yeah, you know, you put your hands out in front like you're holding. Like, oh, what would fit <laughs> right about right in this space? Uh, a case of beer. Yeah, that's a. Um, it's a my AFF instructor. Um, it was a. 
you know, sunset load, sunset AFF load. And uh, we're <laughs> coming in there and I'm doing all the going through the flow and my instructor flies in front of me and he just makes his hands and I was like, I don't know what you're telling me to do. <laughs> and just kept going through the skydive and pitch and land. And, and he was like, yeah, like, everything go cool. And I was like, did you get any? I'm like, yeah, what were you doing with your hands? He's like, oh, what fits right about here? And I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm sitting there AFF. You know, my protect's on crooked and I'm swimming in my canopy for everything out there. And he's like, yeah, it's a case of beer. And I was like, good job. I'm like, woo. And that's how I learned the beer rules. I was the, the secret menu hand signals for AFF. I just learned that today, too. I did not know that there was an actual hand signal for beer. I assumed it would have been something more like you're drinking, you know, like the drinking. Oh, that's cool. I like that. That's funny. Yeah, see, <laughs> no, you, you can pass that on. That um, what do you like to do outside of skydiving and flying? You know, what kind of hobbies do you have outside the sport, if uh, any? Right now, it's a lot of, like, working out, weightlifting, things okay. like that. Um, I was usually trying to kind of have that, like, I don't know, light switch in my flying career. It's like, I'm going to spend the majority of my professional career um, mm -hmm. sitting in a very small office. It has a great view, but yeah. it's a very small office that I can't get up and walk around in. I see what you did there. And uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um and, you know, you, you see pilots when you're walking around, like, an airline pilots. Not all airline pilots, but you mm -hmm. see some. And I was like, I'd, I never want to be that pilot who's, you know, having to, like, just yeah. grow, you know, pouring myself into a pilot seat every time. And especially with my current job, uh, you know, time is of the essence. Mm -hmm. um, so it's being able to stay mobile, stay healthy as long as I can because I don't necessarily have the – a job that keeps me active yeah. um, as a result of the job so okay fair enough yeah. fair enough um you have been an instructor in several different capacities throughout your skydiving career um why do you want to get why did you want to get your instructor ratings like period uh skydiving tunnel like why was that a thing that you wanted to do Initially, it all came from me just wanting to share the sport that I love so much with other people and trying to, you know, pay it forward. So I had some mm -hmm. amazing instructors that were like really took me under the wing and shared a lot. And it wasn't just let's read the syllabus and get mm -hmm. this done. And you're here is really trying to bring people in and understand the culture and, you know, just the amazing time that is our sport. And if it was like the opportunity, I could do to pass that along, uh, you know, starting out video flying, like I want to document everyone's, like I want to help people have an amazing tandem and like mm -hmm. present a really cool product for them. And then as a tunnel instructor, you know, initially, to be completely honest, starting in tunnel instructing was like, all right, I want to be a ninja. Like yeah. what's, what's the fastest way to go do this? Um, <laughs> I had learned how to fly through like sit flying and everything in the sky. Uh -huh. And, uh, I thought it was a cool opportunity to like really push myself and learn more, you mm -hmm. know, always chasing that goal down. And, uh, but I really did fall in love with taking a lot of the first timers and yeah. stuff like, you know, especially those like kids coming in here that they're not going to be able to skydive for a decade, but you know, having their you know day light up just cause they get to go flying and see some superhero mm -hmm. stuff. It was an awesome experience. And I yeah. love that part. I will say teaching kids is like a whole new, another ball game, you know, um, it's a totally different mindset. You know, it's, I feel like they're, it's two end of the spectrums. So they're either nervous as all hell or they are pumped, like pumped to be there. There's really no in between with kids, you know, and we don't really see that in skydiving, you know, like we don't have that, 
somewhat fearless mindset mind mindset yeah <clears throat> but then on top of that like just completely terrified you know like the two the two like very very opposite ends of the spectrum we don't see that in skydiving because adults have that rational part of the brain that they switch on mm -hmm. you know and so you're either talking down a small child <laughs> off the ledge or you are watching them just absolutely be a rock star in either either capacity you know um so teaching kids is a whole nother whole nother arena you know and it's not something you're ever going to get in skydiving. I feel like it makes you a better teacher and a better instructor, like learning how to talk to different human beings, different cal. You know, you know what I mean? Like different mindsets. It's um. Yeah, if you can teach a kid how to do something, you theoretically should be able to teach an adult how to do something. Yeah. Right? Like, I, how can I make this kid proof in mm -hmm. my delivery of something? Because you know, I feel like most adults, especially you know, like being a tandem instructor, AFF yeah. instructor, we see, uh, we see adults in a very primal state mm -hmm. in their mind is like you are essentially when they're in the door you have a child strapped to the front of you and yeah. what their like mental capacity is for mm -hmm. things so i think that's a real valid point i never thought about that like yeah. if, you, if you're good with teaching a five-year-old how to do something when you're essentially mentally strapping yourself to a five-year-old yeah. at the end of an airplane that you just don't you don't really get like an opportunity to do that in skydiving the tunnel opens up a lot of opportunities that you don't necessarily think about ahead of time you yeah. know and then you you know hindsight's twenty twenty. you look back at it and you're like oh <laughs> yeah okay like i see how that all connects but um my, my one of my huge takeaways was like you get to teach so many different types of learners and so many different types of like mindsets you know and you get really really good at talking people through really stressful situations um and then on top of that like learning how to lift people up you know I mean, this one's not as hard learning how to lift people up, you know, when they're doing well, but like the stress half of it, like learning how to talk people through that, like that makes you a really, really good instructor. So it's kind of a unique experience. We don't really think about. Definitely. I also, I remember I was a uh, tunnel instructor before I was an AFF instructor. Oh yeah. You learn all of the cheats, yeah. every single <laughs> hack. When someone's yeah. going on your AFF eval jumps and people are trying to mess with you and yeah. it's like, no, no yeah. this, this is, you're not going anywhere, bud. <laughs> were, were you one of the guys that Mike Wadkins talks about? Um, he was saying, who was it? I think it was some of the Denver guys. Um, Wadkins did a, an AFF course for a bunch of tunnel guys. And he was like, you guys, you need to let me mess up so that I can see you can recover me. Cause you're all, you're just doing a bunch of prevention and you're not letting me like actually get away or actually do what's going to happen on it. And he was like, that's great. It's great that you're, you're this good, but you, I also need to see that you can do all the other stuff too. Like you can do a rollover, you can do a stop spin, all that stuff. Like they were just, I forget which crew of people it was. He was, he, he always talks about it. He talked about it in my AFFI course, at least way back in the day about how, you know, these guys are just so good that I couldn't screw up any of the exits. I couldn't get away from them. And I had to sit him down and tell him, like, you have to let me go. You have to show me that you can still do this part. Yeah. yeah. When I, I, I went through Mike Watkins course, um, such an amazing, amazing instructor. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, me and my buddy flew him in a pike for about <laughs> 30 yeah. seconds on an yeah. exit. And he was just looking at me like, uh, and I think <laughs> I might still have their, I got to, I haven't, I haven't talked to him in a little bit. I might still have the record for most rollovers in a skydive. <laughs> he was like, well, let's just go do a bunch of rollovers. Okay, cool. <laughs> so like, out of a 206, just rolling them over, over and over again. Mm -hmm. It was fun. High flights make you really good. Like, I mean, you, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like high flight control, like high flight stability drills and, and, and what emergency drills and whatnot. Like they make you really, really good at AFF. Like I remember when we made the transition at me and a couple other friends, we were, we're all AFF instructors and we were all, t uh, tunnel tunnel instructors too as well when we made the transition after a couple of or 
after the first year of being at the tunnel, after we'd done all of our high flight, you know, training and whatnot, we were completely signed off on everything. We went back to, uh, for the next season at the drop zone and AFF was like, whoa, like this is so much different. Like coming off the plane, like the awareness you have, like of what your body's doing, what their body's doing, like how you're compensating for everything. It's so much different, like in a good way, in a great way. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. How long were you at the tunnel for? Uh, well, I was three years. Three years. Okay, cool. And what trainer level were you at? T3. Nice. That's awesome. Um, which tunnels did you work for? I was SF Bay initially and uh, Sacramento after that. Kay. But I helped out for a little bit up in Seattle when Portland was opening and mm -hmm. they lost a bunch of their crew. And I helped open up the Westchester Tunnel in New York. Okay, cool. How did you end up here then? Or at Midwest, I guess I should say. At Midwest. So I had you know, been competing in skydiving um, for a while. So I had known of chemtrails and mm -hmm. known of skydiving Midwest. I was one of the Sunpath athletes um, for like one of their free flyers. And they did the Sunpath sequentials out here one year and asked me to come out and help organize for that event. Mm -hmm. So when I flew out here, got to meet everyone and kind of see the drop zone. It was a really, really awesome experience. And once I had gotten my... Uh, pilot ratings and got all my certificates done i called up the owners here i was like hey i know you guys have a 182 and i know you have a twin otter so yeah. i know you have the, like the entry level airplane and like my dream the goal airplane within uh, -huh. uh skydiving for everything so what can i do to make my resume look good so i could eventually mm -hmm. fly your 182 when i have enough hours and what kind of stuff do you look for in a potential twin otter pilot long term and uh, luckily, they had a spot open. I came out and and ended up being, I think the original plan was for me to be like the third pilot, just fly the 182. Mm -hmm. The other two pilots bailed on them right before the, <laughs> the season started. So I went from number three, 182 pilot, to the only pilot yeah. and flying the otter. Happy accident, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. It worked out great for you. Um, so to go back a little bit, though, uh, working for the tunnel, like, we, we did just talk about this just a little bit um, yeah. with AFF and like how the transition back and forth between the two has impacted your skydiving skills. But beyond that scope, like where else do you did have you seen the most impact on your like self-awareness, your um, spatial awareness, like your skydiving skills, like from the tunnel to the drop zone? Like where where do you think? What do you think? I think separating a lot of what. um I think like separating your head from the rest of your body uh, for lack okay. of better terms, uh, like being able to fly something and been doing something while looking a different direction, mm -hmm. um, I think is a skill that doesn't always like for video flyers gets insanely beneficial. Like yeah. I can fly my body and just keep my head looking at this tandem or looking mm -hmm. at whatever I'm doing for something. And I think the tunnel really helped amplify that. Like I yeah. can be doing stuff and dealing with people and looking around, and, you know, I can smile at the parents in the antechamber mm -hmm. and smile for the cameras and be facing something, or I can keep my student facing the camera while I'm having discussions with my manager through the window. Like, Oh yeah, cool. I'm taking a double. All right. Got you. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's a, I think like being able to separate both those two and have the, the like body awareness and yeah. the you know hand eye coordination mm -hmm. to be able to handle things like that has yeah. been beneficial. That's fair. That's totally fair. It it changed my um video video game on my belly. Yep. I've always sucked 
annoying belly <laughs> belly video i've i've specifically for tandems like like looking up has always been really hard because i have a short short little neck and the the yoke of the rig always hits the back of my helmet oh, yeah. um so it's always been really hard for me to get the right angle on on my belly um but now like like you said that independence of like having your your head be able to like basically be an owl you can move your head any any which direction while you're doing something completely different with your body um it makes it really easy to fly flat and like turn and look at the at the tandem over my shoulder and just get that perfect video shot that i've always been looking for um yeah it's kind of that's a that's a fair that's a fair a fair thing to say it's not something i guess i've ever thought about either but you're totally right it's you get really good at it <laughs> like really really good yeah that's i like that i think it translates to other stuff too even like you're driving down the road i know i've noticed when i'm flying yeah you know there are times where i'm looking out the left window and you know try like oh we got to find like a hole around this like go mm -hmm. around some clouds or see if i can spot something yeah. that's going on there and you can be completely in your zone doing something with your head looking you know back mm -hmm. i can flew you know turn around and check like what do they actually need in the back of the plane as you're talking to the tandem instructors behind you yeah. flying straight forward so it's a yeah it definitely is a skill that's translated yeah. and uh helped other parts of life too mm -hmm. i think spatial awareness is a huge one too as well oh, yeah. like your your peripheral i never can pronounce this word right it's a tongue twister your peripheral you know what I'm talking about yeah. <laughs> being able to look at, a, uh, at things, yeah out of the corner of your eye while you're still facing something else or you're looking at something completely different like your spatial awareness like improves tenfold you're not thinking about what your body has to do anymore because you're just it's just a natural feeling you're just naturally doing what you're supposed to do so it opens up like all of that awareness that you <laughs> had your blinders on to you know um in the past so man it'll it'll revolutionize your flying if you if you let it so sell your soul for better flying. <laughs> Only for a few years. It'll be <laughs> fine. You'll be all right. Um, so let's talk about pilot's license. Let's talk about flying, flying airplanes, aircraft. Uh, when did you get your pilot's license? What year? 2018. Started okay. flying. Yeah, it's like, what's, what's this minus five? Yep, 2018. Yeah. So you'd already had a really good basis, like a good spectrum of things under your belt by that point from skydiving you know from the tunnel and whatnot you're a super super good flyer really really proficient really really um saturated in all the other areas like what made you want to pursue the pi the, the pilot's license it was mostly external of skydiving as a sport um i was previously like in the fire service wanted to be a firefighter mm -hmm. just doing that for that's what my degree is in um was chasing that goal down decided to pivot and leave that um, when I was growing up, I wanted to be two things. I wanted to be a firefighter or a pilot. Mm -hmm. And um, when firefighting decided to, uh, you know, switch gears up from that, mm -hmm. uh, opportunity to become a pilot uh, presented itself. And I figured I've been jumping out of airplanes for long enough. Might as well learn how to fly them. Um, Fair enough. And, but being a skydiver, just especially being a canopy pilot with understanding, you know, the basics of wing theory and that, and you know, yeah. lift how uh, you know airfoils fly, seeing the airplanes take off and land, just being around them all the time, definitely made learning how to fly a lot easier. Okay, cool. Um, so it's it's something that's always been in the background. You just haven't gotten. You, you just got to a point where you're like, we're doing it. Like it's now. It's, you said you talked about how like you wanted to do it as a kid, and like oh, so yeah. it's always kind of been around. It's always been in the back of your mind as like like an option. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It was, a lot of it was just mostly money okay it's expensive to learn how to fly yeah and um got again just got lucky um 
with had some money saved up and okay. had some people that were really weren't willing to work with me and uh like give me the opportunity to fly and um relieve some of the stress about the financial aspects of it all so uh yeah and you know being an adult you can take a little bit more financial risk yeah. than when you're, you're yeah. like fresh out of high school or something so. all right cool cool that's that's lucky that's very nice um what did the initial progression look like for you like where did you go who did you do this with um what did what did the initial progression look like uh when you started flying i learned with uh, mike smith aviation was uh place out in uh, Rancho Marietta. It's just east of Sacramento, California. Okay. Learned there, mom and pop shop, you know, mm-hmm. uh, great people, really, really good instructors that um, really prioritize like the the why, like just like the passion about aviation, mm-hmm. not just cool, we're going to teach you. This is the book. Learn this. Mm-hmm. Go be airline pilot, whatever it was. Like actually like, no, if you're not having fun flying, like why are we even doing this yeah. type of stuff? And um, so yeah, did that. Uh, again, had luckily saved up enough money where yeah. I could almost be flying full time. Like I was spending three, four days a week at the airfield, getting as much time as I could, uh-huh. flying, 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 flying. I got uh, all my ratings done in just over nine months um, from when I started flying. And you just kind of a, I guess for lack of better terms, crash course in it all, but really just trying to like full, fully like, immerse myself in it just to try to get it done a quickly but also so you didn't lose that knowledge and like regress like oh i took a two weeks off from doing something you know same as aff students that come out and try to do it Mm -hmm. get it in two weeks versus i'll do one jump every other week and they sit there and have to repeat everything all over the time yeah so what's a normal amount of time for someone to get all those um accomplishments done uh i think you know most people at least a year for i mean because this is real life for people um Mm -hmm. it's you know, if you have other responsibilities, <laughs> it takes a okay. while to actually get the stuff done because um, they're only flying on weekends. Yeah. You know, I just was able to take advantage of doing it mostly full time. Okay. Me, so where are you using, you know, your pilot's license these days? What are you doing? What are you doing with it? Well, I'm out here in uh, Scotland Midwest helping mm-hmm. out in the job zone. I uh, worked here for a couple of years, but helping train uh, the, the next mm-hmm. new guys that are going to take over and fly the otter out here. Um, but um primarily flying for firefighting um it's really got to put both of my original childhood passions in, in together in one and um, uh, flying firefighting aircraft for the state of california okay what's that like that's uh, a blast uh it's you know it's a fire engine looks a little bit different but it's a lot faster yeah <laughs> in a nutshell can you explain what the core objective of your job is to assist people on the ground uh we're really like we're there to support the firefighters that are out there with their faces in the smoke, mm-hmm. doing everything on the ground, cutting line, working with hand tools. Um, my air, my airframe specifically is out there. It's kind of a command and control mm-hmm. aircraft. Um, the person that's in my back seat is talking to them on all the radios out, talking to people on the ground, mm-hmm. talking to the other aircraft that are around there, helping uh, direct the tankers where they need to be dropping retardant, helicopters mm-hmm. dropping water kind of controlling almost acting like an air traffic controller in the sky yeah. and really helping all that out and um you know i'm flying around making sure they got good views of the fire and um making sure we uh keep everything uh, all safe and good to go so i just learned something new i didn't realize that that was even a thing like that was a role in in like the spectrum of wildland firefighting like that um like keith like keith and boyd you know them <coughs> i know them uh they are hopefully fingers crossed they're on the show at some point um 
I lived with them out there. I've listened to them uh, talk about these topics at great length. Uh, but I didn't even like Keith. Keith flies a tanker, doesn't he? Yep. Yeah, yeah. They both fly tankers. So they're okay. the ones they chopping do. retardant, All and right. um, you know they're doing what most people traditionally yeah. assume is the yeah. aerial firefighting. That's problem. the only association I've had up until like just right now. I did not realize that there was a role for someone kind of um, managing the entire thing in in the sky. I didn't even realize that. So beyond beyond those those two roles i guess like what else is in involved like what other type of flyers other types of aircraft like what else what else is involved in a in a scenario like that uh traditionally it's you know the my airframe is called like an air attack so mm-hmm. we're there to be the supervisor kind of command and control yeah the tankers carrying water carrying retardant they're flying around can i ask one question sure when i when you say airframe you mean aircraft right aircraft. it's just another okay okay yeah, sorry. but is that the right term airframe yeah. okay. uh, air, aircraft yeah, okay it's all, all right it's, it's different I didn't want to be using the, the wrong word. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Morgan is saying it's a different type of aircraft, okay. different uh, right. style of aircraft. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, there's the tanker aircraft, and they're flying around uh, carrying water, carrying retardant. Mm-hmm. Um, the other usual suspect out of fire is the helicopters. Okay. So they're carrying crews that mm-hmm. uh, he- uh, firefighters are actually transported by helicopter. Uh, uh, English is hard. By helicopter, <laughs> and so they get dropped off in certain specific areas of the fire, okay. and the helicopter then can go and pick up water and bring it to assist those people on the ground uh, too. Okay. Yeah. So how long, in a, in a typical situation, how long are you in the air flying like that? Uh, usually it's pretty quick. Uh, okay. The state of California has a really nice network of air bases mm-hmm. with uh, all these firefighting aircraft spread out all over the state. Mm-hmm. So the goal is to get... Um, you know, all these fires at, you know, 10, 20 anchors or less. So yeah. ideally we're only there for a little bit. We're there, get a few drops on like under an hour and uh-huh. then we're back at the base ready for the next call um, okay. to keep things small. But when, you know, fires, unfortunately, you know, conditions and, uh-huh. you know, uh, all that stuff kind of happens it and they blow up and become a major campaign fire, mm-hmm. we can be out there for a really long time. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Is that... Do you know, oh, this is so, this is so cool. Uh, do you know if there are other major hubs across the country, like f- for know, departments, I guess, like, is that a good way to say it? Like a department or. California is really the only place that like as a state entity, yeah. it has their own yeah. aerial firefighting assets. Is it, um, is it because of, is it because of like the seasonal fi- wildfires and stuff down it's, there? Yeah. It's just such a big issue okay. for them and the state being as big as it is and you know fortunately we have a budget and Uh um have established a the state's fire department essentially Mm -hmm. to be able to protect those things and they have decided that investing fortunately have decided that investing in aircraft and the technology and the tactics um is worth investing in Mm -hmm. and really kind of pushing their like the bleeding edge of that industry for things there are other uh, private contractor companies uh-huh. that exist around the country but as a, a state entity california yeah. is really like okay. the one that does it because i remember a few years ago like the portland fires like up in oregon oregon yep. like there were some really bad instances or like, I, re- I just remember the air quality in the midwest like back home was real messed up like when that was happening so yep. i was curious like do you guys as like i'm sure there's probably groups of uh pilots and groups of um firefighters in northern california that might potentially assist or does that happen like do you guys crisscross over state lines with that or 
Not typically. It's okay. pretty difficult to get those aircraft going yeah. outside of the state for things. Um, other where, or other where, <laughs> other areas <laughs> of the uh, the country, they're usually under the protection of like the U.S. Forest Service. So like the feds are involved in things. So but it's not as hub based. Uh, it's a lot more supplemented with uh, contract companies. Okay, that's fair. I like that word though. Otherwhere, it sounds like the title, like otherwear. part of the title of a kid's book. It's like yeah. the otherwear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, thinking and talking at the same time. <laughs> uh, where do you want to go with it in the future? Is this something you want to do for a long time, or do you see oh, yourself yeah. pushing past this at this any point? This is this is the forever job. This okay. has been the dream job since I started flying, and just like really thankful to have this opportunity. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be flying tankers with uh, Keith and Boyd at some point in the future with all that. So what is that progression like? Do you have to stick, do you have to start in a position like the one you're in and mm-hmm. then eventually graduate up to a tankard? Yep. Okay. Yeah, everyone starts here. Um, okay. It's primarily just as a entry level. You get to see the tactics. Yeah. You're in a very visual kind of, I can learn, I can listen to how all this flows, mm-hmm. how the different ways we can fight fire yeah. using aircraft. And then, you know, once you've done that for a few seasons, mm-hmm. can step up and, you know, ask him to go and learn how to fly a tanker. Okay. Uh, are you still flying jumpers out there too as well or no? Uh, more on a contract basis. Okay. Uh, you know, down there still uh, helping uh, people out down in Paris, doing some of the military, like flying the Skyrounds for them, mm-hmm. uh, flying formation stuff when they need help with. And my drop zone up north, uh, Skydive, California, I help out there when they you know, just need coverage for pilots. So it's more as, as needed. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I have a skill set that I get to uh, go hang out with people in the industry and stay close to the sport using, mm-hmm. using that in the airplanes. Yeah, that's nice. Um, if you could fly any aircraft in any capacity and it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, okay? Skydiving, fighting fires, just for fun, travel, whatever, it doesn't matter. Which aircraft would it be and why? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. Um... I think the dream aircraft. I'm going to look it up here too. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the B-25 Mitchell. It was a like medium bomber in World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I'm sure people have seen uh, like Pearl Harbor, Midway, mm-hmm. those things. Um, yeah. That's okay. what they used uh, in the Doolittle Raid yep. to go and attack uh, Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Amazing aircraft. Yep. I really... Uh, it's, you know, just a little bit bigger than an otter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's, I've always thought like the capabilities of it, you know, they flew it off of aircraft carriers, mm-hmm. but no one thought they could do that. Um, they've been used it as gunships, like, tons and tons of different roles for it. Um, I think it's a really beautiful looking aircraft. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to fly it in a wartime capacity, yeah, obviously yeah. for things, but yeah. I think it'd be amazing for an opportunity to fly that aircraft. All right. Given its history and everything else. Well, you're kind of in a good a good kind of hub for it, too. Like in California, they've got a lot of... Have you ever been over to the Chino Air Museum? Not in Chino yet, no. I yeah. haven't spent a lot of time in uh, Southern California off the... Okay. I was, I was out there for school. The first time I went to California, I went for additional schooling after I graduated college. And um, it, there was just art classes, so we were drawing, you know, all the time, constantly, and our instructors would take us to different, like, little hubs. We took, we went to a ship museum, or, like, a, yeah, it was, like, air, I think it was, 
can't remember which ship it was, but we went to a ship and like we just drew on the ship. Um, we went to Chino Air Museum and just they have all of these old planes that they just leave out there for Hollywood. You know, like Hollywood comes in and like basically rents and ensures the the aircraft for their use and they just have all these different uh, airplanes out there just sitting around parked and we got to go out there and just sit around them and draw and like um I mean I'm sure you probably can't fly those but but still like I know that there's a huge hub for that kind of stuff down in SoCal so maybe someday yeah and it's great to see uh there you know all these organizations and museums that keep these like as museum pieces these mm-hmm. amazing aircraft and instead of letting them rot in the desert somewhere yeah they're bringing them in and letting people come and see them and yeah. you know be kids like me going to a museum and getting inspired one day like i want to fly airplanes that sounds mm-hmm. awesome so it's it's amazing that there are a lot of organizations that keep that stuff up mm-hmm. well good luck fingers crossed Thank someday you. someday this is going to kind of get little generic here <laughs> um you've had your hand in a lot of we've already established this you've had mm-hmm. your hand in a lot of different uh disciplines within this community as such though what do you think is one of the more significant changes you've seen in the 10 plus years that you've been skydiving flying i guess i don't want to say skydiving because like your, your whole spectrum it's just flying like <laughs> flying in different capacities all the flying yeah like what am i flying today yeah. um i think <clears throat> uh, i think some of the biggest changes for good in the sport and it's you know various disciplines has been just the availability of information yeah um you know being a canopy pilot when i first started it was still in the like i don't know you just find uh mm-hmm. find an old timer at the drop zone that'll teach you how to swoop <laughs> yep. you know and you're still being like yeah, i don't know yeah can you teach you to swoop yeah just grab your fronts and uh yeah. do a couple turns and mm-hmm. see what happens um, but having going from that and, you know, all the issues and, you know, you know, unfortunate fatalities that we had within that discipline yeah, to now having, you know, companies established solely, you know, flight one, uh, superior flight with Greg Windmiller, um, yeah. alter ego with Kurt and Jeannie and mm-hmm. <clears throat> all, like, all these amazing, amazing entities that have taken the knowledge and made it so readily available for mm-hmm. people is huge. Yeah. Um, because people can learn the right way mm-hmm. and learn like no one's telling them like no you can't swoop but here's the tools to be successful and have longevity within the discipline yeah um i think you know that's base jumping is even taking a turn towards uh-huh. that now too it's not just as like black magic mystery hope for the best like there's programs you want to do this cool let's teach you how to do it right the first time mm-hmm. so you can have that success and yeah. longevity in what you love to do yeah so networking and accessibility that kind oh, of stuff 100%, yeah, yeah. yeah i would say that's probably true especially with like the advent of social media you know like with how connected everything is and how much easier it is to like just access information like from a great distance away like that's yeah i'd agree with that it's probably a it's probably one of the most i would say for like you said for the positive like one of the most significant changes if not the most significant change in the last like decade just for this community i'm sure i'm sure for other communities across like different disciplines and different types of like um extreme sports but especially with skydiving it's such a weird niche you know sport yeah it's the world's worst learning environment you have a minute (laughs) in free fall with an adrenaline dump to go and learn this task and create like long-term understanding and knowledge of it you have one shot yeah even with like swooping all right cool you messed that up yeah. well pack your parachute and uh, we'll try again in a little bit i don't know do you think there's any other sport out there that's even remotely close to like that learning that learning curve or like that 
like I, I'm thinking of like just extreme sports, like ground sports, for example. So like like snow sports or um, motor vehicle sports. So like dirt biking, you know, snowmobiling, like any of those things. Like I feel like those are all. It's just it's skydiving and flying is in its own category. It's in its own I arena. Think overall, definitely. That, yeah. I'm sure there are some like if you were. I don't know, like where snowboarding, half pipe competitor in snowboarding. Yeah. You know, you really only have one shot to go through this half pipe. You have like a few, uh-huh. a few jumps, I guess, for lack of understanding of that event, yep. um, proper terms. But you know, a few different jumps on that run. Mm-hmm. But then it's all right, cool, we're done. Get back on the lift, go back to the top. Yep. It's like it's similar, but there's also aspects of snowboarding that's I have 20 minutes down the side of this mountain to yeah. kind of try things out and mess with stuff so yeah it's i think there's similarities in it but it, skydiving definitely is a very unique yeah. and challenging learning environment i would say, i mean i guess you know like <clears throat> w- when you're learning the basics of whatever discipline or whatever sport it is that you're trying to tackle like you like you said snowboarding you can't i feel like it's just not comparable because the beginning of skydiving is it is still only the one minute the one yep. minute and then a 45 minute wait or an hour long wait or if you're a student two hours and then go back up and try it again right um whereas like you said with like snowboarding or other types of land sports you have 20 minutes to figure out you know like this basic like edge essentially uh before taking a break and then going up and trying it again like i just feel like they're, they're not comparable and i i, I struggle I'm, I'm also not an extreme sport. I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I am not an extreme sport person. Like the coolest thing I do is skydiving and it will probably be the only cool thing that I ever do with my life. Um, so I don't really understand it in a big broader, uh, like spectrum. And I struggle to like speak in absolutes like that. But I also feel like just listening to people who do do it. I don't know if it's comparable, you know, like, I don't know if it's yeah, especially in the learning environment. Yeah. yeah. And like that brand new first steps within the sport. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, we're going to give you a lot of adrenaline, yeah. no time in an environment that you cannot reproduce anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Like it's people would always ask, oh, what's skydiving like? It's like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like falling, but it's not like falling. And it's kind of like swimming, but it's not like swimming. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's skydiving. It's like skydiving. Scuba diving, kind of. Like, have you ever been scooting? Like, ma- the floating like, sensation, yeah. maybe? The yeah. floating and kind of just, like, the orientation being, yeah. you know, on your belly for that. But yeah. it's still, it's like, it's it's not like anything else. Yeah. There's nothing I can do to prepare you for skydiving besides throwing you out of an airplane. <laughs> well, so I think the tunnel, too, like, the advent of the tunnel and the expansion of the tunnel game, you know, I feel like is definitely helping us become more relatable and more accessible across the board to more people. But... Um, I mean, right now it's just totally up in the air. Like it's really hard to access those tools, yeah. you know, it was, it was good for a little while, but now it's becoming even more difficult to do that. Hopefully in the, in the future, like something changes so that we can get more on as a community, we can get more on like an accessible level, you know, like snowboarding or snow, snowmobiling or any of those, any of those extreme sports are. So fingers crossed someday, yeah, someday. <laughs> um, what's your favorite thing about flying in general? Skydiving, piloting, tunnel any area doesn't matter uh how did i not sound cheesy on this question (laughs) (laughs) operation don't sound cheesy Uh, (laughs) good luck yeah um i think i think a lot of it is a challenge okay Uh, you really similar to kind of what we were talking about with the 
uh, learning environment of it, mm-hmm. like you, you really kind of have one shot. Yeah. Like, and you have to, it forces you to execute. Mm-hmm. Like, and you have to make a decision. You can't be, can't be wishy-washy. You can't yeah. be kind of, you have to like, I'm going to do this. I have a plan. I'm going to execute my plan. And it's challenging in that. Um, and if it doesn't go exactly how something is, mm-hmm. like, you know, just little variables, you have to problem solve on the fly. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a really cool like freedom in that. Yeah. Um, that allow like it really just kind of lets you be in control of your own destiny through yeah. that. Um, it also be challenging to be effective and to be efficient at the task that's in front of you. Yeah. Um, I think, and that never ends. It's never yep. the same twice. Uh-huh. It's always slightly different. So you can't ever get complacent in mm-hmm. that. And I just think it's a cool concept. Yeah. I think, I think I've heard that a similar sentiment from a lot of other, um, re- like people that I would, I would call Renaissance, Renaissance folks, right? Like people who have a lot of really, um, or have a lot of, uh, knowledge in a bunch of different areas and have tried a lot of different things within like the, the wheelhouse of skydiving and flying and whatnot. Um, you get really good at kind of understanding how you're being challenged and like how you, um, adapt to those challenges and how you push yourself to your limitations, limitations within each little subcategory or or discipline that you're trying. Right. Um, I feel like there's, there's a certain level, um, of skydivers that don't comprehend that, like comprehend, like how they're challenging themselves, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I I, I don't know how I'm going to say this without potentially making someone mad. (laughs) Um, that's always going to happen. It's, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's certain levels of skydivers. There are like professional people who this is a career. This is a lifestyle. This is like they're, what they live and breathe and do every single day. And then there are people who do this for fun, you know, and it, cause mm-hmm. it makes them feel alive and it makes them feel excited. But I feel like the people in the former, you know, some of the, some of the folks in the former have a really good understanding of how this has changed them as people, you know, it's changed like how they approach stress. It's changed. It changes like, and it challenge, like you said, challenges you, it, it changes how you interpret information. It changes how you take and new information like this something that I've thought about in the past is that I I don't know who I would be without this like I don't know where I would be in life if I was not faced with these sets of challenges and grown into the person that I am you know like the teacher and the instructor that I am without these experiences without having been in skydiving um it could have gone very very easily the opposite direction when I was a kid and I and I never got into this and it never happened and I can't fathom not having this skill set or thinking this way just about life in general and about you know I can't fathom not having that and like not you know what I mean? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's like one of those things you think about really late at night, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And you, you brought up, I think, uh, having the people who are professional skydivers, yeah. there's, uh, I'm going to completely, you know, butcher the concept and if there's a quote behind <laughs> all of this. But I know someone before had explained there are, you know, people who are amateurs and things and yeah. there are people who are, it defines the, or differentiates between amateurs and professionals. Mm-hmm where you have people who are, are doing this for fun and it's, they're not doing it incorrectly. Yeah. They're not doing it and necessarily don't have the ability to be amazing and to be great at what they do. Yep. And, but professionals do look at it slightly differently. It's a yeah. constant pursuit of improvement. Yeah. Not necessarily perfection, but like, yep. how can I be better? Yeah. How can I be better? And that mentality, mm-hmm. um, 
I think it becomes very apparent yeah. and pays dividends uh-huh. in the sport that we do. And same with aviation. Like I was, you know, I'm a jump pilot. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty straightforward job. You take off, you fly a pattern, <laughs> you let them out, come back down, pick them up, take off, fly a pattern, let them out, come back down. Mm-hmm. But there's just like, okay, how can I get better? I can be yeah. faster, I can be more efficient. Like, yep. is how is the spot? It can I get better? How is this? Like, how can I get improve on my craft? Mm-hmm. And it's a never-ending pursuit of that. And I think that it's a uh, you hit it on the head with like the professionals have a different mindset. Yeah, that. yeah, it's it's just like to to bring it back to your point of like why this is such a um, exciting, you know, and a and a um, a special a special thing like for you, you know, favorite thing, um, to bring it back around. It's like, there are only so many avenues in life that allow you to conceptualize that, you know, there's only so many areas in life, like in, in your 80, 90 years of life, you know, like that allow you to see the world and think like that, you know, and be in these stressful situations and handle it like a fucking boss, you know? Um, so like, I, like, like I said, I just, I can't imagine not having it and like not being in this situation or not having had these experiences because it can be absolutely life changing if you let it, you know, yeah. like, like those experiences and having, having that trajectory, I guess, like it can, it can totally change your life. It, at least for me, it changed my life. Like I'm right there with you. Yeah. I like to tell people that, you know, there's a, after you intentionally jump out of an airplane, right? <laughs> I'm signing up to jump out of an airplane to do what my body is telling me not to do. This is, yeah. this is dumb. This it, skydiving is dumb. Like, I love it. This is, uh, yeah, it's kind yeah. of a dumb concept. <laughs> um, but when you do that for fun, why are you afraid of that spider in the corner? Why are you afraid yeah. to ask that person out to apply for that job? You jump out of planes for fun. Yeah. And, you know, there's when things kind of hit the fan and you have that skill set of like, I know how to execute mm-hmm. quickly, one and done. That's mm-hmm. it. When something happens, you're like, oh, like it's not necessarily <laughs> that big of a deal. You can draw on a skill set that you have mm-hmm. to help you in other areas of your life. And I think that's a, a really cool and unique thing about skydiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Uh, tell me about one really awesome skydive or one really awesome flight that you've been on one that sticks out in your mind it's just being really cool really fantastic um, tell me uh, really <laughs> tell me all the things <laughs> tell me all the things <laughs> um uh really awesome skydive i had uh it was for my my thousandth skydive actually it was up at skydive capalson up in washington okay. uh they had a leaps for lupus event that was up there right. and a bunch of the free flyers that I was jumping with a bunch of the time, um, all like the Live Bigs crew and everything, doing a lot of like big ways and sequentials and things. So we, uh, we had met up for this event and I didn't tell anyone that it was my thousand skydive. I was like, kind of <laughs> hoping that it was going to uh, yeah. go down that way. But, you know, sunset jump, yeah. uh, you know, Mount Rainier's massive on the horizon. It's a clear day over the sound. Everything's green, all the mm-hmm. water and just having, I think we did a, was like an 18 way but some of my best friends in the sport just out there and yeah. some like just ninjas that I had gotten the privilege <laughs> to jump with. It was kind of like my intro to, I was just starting like my free flying big way sequential career mm-hmm. in that. And you know, being able to be on that skydive and just be with some people that I had such, such good friends and just ninjas of the sport and just have this really, really cool experience. And I landed 
And I was like, that was my thousand skydive. And they were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like that. So, so, so incredibly lucky that I got to share that big milestone jump with so many people that like I cared about, looked up to. And it was kind of like the, this life doesn't suck moment yeah. on that. And that was, uh, I have a, actually, someone had a photo of it and um, I got it printed and I have it at my house. Like nice. it's up on the wall. It's a great, really good memory. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. That's a good story. Thank you. Um, where's the coolest place you've ever flown or jumped in your opinion? Uh, flown. I mean, Skydive Midwest. <sighs> no. <yeah>. No. <laughs> in terms of like <laughs> the, the, <laughs> some of the most fun and <laughs> most shenanigans I've ever gotten into, Skydive Midwest. Um, uh, I think coolest place I've ever flown an airplane. I, you know, I think I got a, I'm a little bit partial towards this, but there is, uh, we call it the Bay Tour. Um, it's a <laughs> route you can fly that eventually takes you directly over or right next to San Francisco, over the water, over Alcatraz, over the Golden Gate Bridge, and then mm-hmm. down the coast. And it's just beautiful. Um, you know, being out right over the ocean, over the Golden Gate on a clear mm-hmm. day, it's just incredible. Um, you really... I don't think you can really top that. And yeah. it's cool to have grown up in aviation so close to that and had that just readily mm-hmm. available. It's in my backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely get uh, biased uh, towards that. But that's probably one of the coolest things I've gotten a chance to do. Um, Over the Golden Gate Bridge would be really awesome. In terms of like just really, really amazing, just a cool view to look at. Mm-hmm. I think the other one would probably like one of my first fire that I, yeah. I flew for. You know, Unfortunately, it's there's someone's house someone's property yeah that's on fire and you know it's a horrible you know a really horrible situation for that mm-hmm. but it also was the first time i did it it was like i'm in the right place yeah you have that moment it was like i'm doing what i was meant to do type mm-hmm. thing and this it was really really special for that also um, skydiving wise uh i think some of the best looking areas mm-hmm. I've been places close to water. Yeah. Uh, I think up at Skydive Kapowson being up over and having the mountains be so close and everything mm-hmm. is uh, really, really beautiful. Um, the middle of California is a really cool spot to jump on mm-hmm. um, clear days. You can see the mountains in Tahoe, like Monterey, um, uh, all the farmland below you looks like a quilt, but the mountains are all behind it. Yeah. I think every place you can jump really has its positives and it's great views out here Scott Midwest the lake is gorgeous I, I jumping am, so close to I will never not be amazed at how big that fucking lake is yeah it looks like the ocean I'm like this is you can't see that it it blows my mind that there are bodies of freshwater bodies of water that big in the states like oh, that's yeah. nuts I had to fly uh you know a couple like ferry airplanes across for Keith uh boss here and um <laughs> There are times I'm like sitting in the caravan, just you know, just chugging along, flying mm-hmm. over the lake. I'm like, oh man, this is a, yep, lake's still there. <laughs> Hour later, I'm still over the water. Yeah, yeah. That we, we were ferrying <laughs> an airplane, and some people were riding along with us one time, and uh, they, we, <laughs> they had asked, hey, um, if we, like, I know, had a real bad emergency right now and had to land, like, we could like glide back to the shore right go to the airport there no 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 we're gonna try to land next to that boat right there because <laughs> they, they, they got another good radio too they'll pick yeah. us up uh but yeah late it is a massive lake sometimes you can see across it though real clear days no way really I, 
promise you on those clear days here um you can look across the lake and you can see the other shore and it's huh. uh, it's pretty cool when it's huh. that clear out all right i mean i thought it was pretty cool we could see chicago that was pretty rad but uh wait till a clear day yeah <laughs> okay. like sunsets with chicago skyline being lit up milwaukee and then seeing across the lake like yeah. all in one panorama i can't wait it's glorious I can't wait. it is mind-blowing though it's fun. and it's a great color too actually yeah like it's not it's not like the murky brown it's it's like it's like green it's like blue green yeah yeah it's a proper water color. yeah right. proper water <laughs> um if you go anywhere though to skydive or to fly where would it where would you go any flight any skydive where would you go anywhere in the world Ooh, ah. i think partially because i'm a nerd but also uh <laughs> because it is kind of cool uh flying through star wars canyon i think okay. um <laughs> uh down uh, down south in california yeah. you know that um that military training route getting mm-hmm. an opportunity to like fly something like to fly a cal fire aircraft like a firefighting aircraft through star wars canyon i think would be really badass yeah um uh, other than that maybe I think it'd be cool to fly across an ocean okay to do a ferry like those really long ferry flights yeah and something that's not supposed to fly across an ocean uh you know airliner mm-hmm. like yeah cool we're flying across an ocean that's awesome and it's fun but to take something like a caravan or a twin otter and be like let's go fly across an ocean like ferrying <laughs> something i think would be a cool and cool experience but also really to test your abilities as a pilot yeah. um, like i think it would be a, an awesome experience how do you have enough fuel to make that trick you add extra fuel. They're portable fuel tanks you can put in the back. Oh, okay. Especially okay, where okay. all the skydivers are, are going to be right. loaded up with fuel weight instead of people weight. Okay. Wait. So it's on the inside of the inside of the. How yep. do you? It's like a big fuel bladder. Oh, okay. So it's connected to the. Yeah, it's almost like a feel like make a steel box, and then in yeah. the middle have a big bladder, and then you have a pump. You can pump the fuel up into the wings. <laughs> <laughs> and the wings are doing their normal thing and putting it towards the engines and uh just going chugging along Jeez. all right yeah. <laughs> all right if you have any advice for anybody that wanted to get their or pilot's license what would you do what would you say anybody like, try to save up enough money so yeah. you can have a consistency in your okay. learning um and find some place that teach it and instructs for like the love of the game Mm-hmm. Um, I think people and programs that want to just teach you, like we're going to make you an airline pilot. Like, not that there's any, there's nothing wrong with airline pilots, but if you're just learning for like, I just, just what's the quickest and easiest way to get point A to point B? Yeah, you're still missing a a bunch of the beauty that is yeah. the rest of the sport. You know, kind of similar to, or excuse me, the rest of aviation. Uh, similar to skydiving, right? Yeah. Like if someone joins, is like, I want to be a wingsuiter. Okay, cool. Like, I can teach you point A to point B, and we can mm-hmm. get there super fast. And that's a very efficient way to do it, but you're yep. also missing out, like, the beauty of everything else. You yeah. know, like, you're missing out on, you know, your first successful forward belly mm-hmm. jump. You're missing the first time you didn't backfly up, jump around as a sit flyer. <laughs> um, <there's, laughs> um, you know, you're missing out on so many other beautiful things that uh, it has to offer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you get there, it's a then what? So if you really learn something for the love of the game, mm-hmm. I think it pays off in the long term that you'll never, ever get burnt out and never lose that love that you have for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. You were you were talking and I was going to add that on. I'm glad you I'm glad you did because uh, 
I was going to add that same thing on about, about skydiving. Like, no, it's just like skydiving. Like, go to a place where they're passionate about what it is they're doing, not just like a tandem a tandem factory or someplace there. They just don't care about AFF, you know? Like, go, go someplace where they're going to, like, really welcome you into the fold, you know? And as a follow-up to that, even if you are in one discipline, mm-hmm. learn the other stuff. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a free flyer and a super at yeah. heart till I die. Um, but, and, you know, I'm also a jump pilot. So, therefore, we have to talk a lot of shit about the wingsuiters. Always talk shit about wingsuiters, rule number one. But I own a wingsuit. <laughs> like, I, I own a wingsuit. And I was like, hey, I want to show me what's up. And mm-hmm. it's, an, it's a beautiful thing. It's an awesome discipline. Um, I, own a bit, I own a booty suit. Got to have a booty suit. You know, try everything because there's so many cool lessons to learn. And like we were t- talking about with um, transferable skills. Mm-hmm. You, know, you might learn something. I was like, oh, man, that's actually yeah. just like this other thing that's yeah. over there. Like, I've, If you've done all this stuff, you get so much more you can draw on mm-hmm. to be excellent at your chosen task. Yep. So like never, <clears throat> never, ever, ever miss an opportunity to do something cool and learn something new. I agree. I agree. That's an awesome sentiment. Fantastic. Um, you want to play a game? I'd love to play a game. <laughs> okay. So rules of the game, it's 20 questions, right? Rules of the game are that I, you have to guess what I am in 20 questions or less, okay? Um, if you get to around 10 or 15 and you are just like completely stumped and you don't have any idea of what this thing might be, um, I will give you a clue to the best of my ability to not try and give it away, but give you like a little push in the right direction. Um, I could be anything on the drop zone or at the tunnel. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess I will establish ahead of time too as well. Uh, but I'm not going to be something kind of arbitrary. I'm not going to be like a chair or like a water bottle or a towel or something like that. Okay. It's not going to be something that like could be at the drop zone, you know, at any time. It yeah. would, it'll be something specifically skydiving related. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I'm going to be so bad at this. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> uh, I am. Okay. I've got one. I am. At, I'm, I'm on the drop zone. I'm You're on the drop a, zone. I'm not at the tunnel. I'm at the drop zone. Okay. Um, can you be carried by one person? No. Are you bigger than a like standard car? Yes. Okay. <laughs> this, is, this isn't going to be as hard as you think, I think. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um... Are you required for skydiving to take place? Can you elaborate on that question a bit? Like on a daily basis or like just a skydive? Um, yeah, like in a skydive. Are you required for a skydive to happen, a singular skydive? Like am I required <clears throat> for the skydive? Like, like to take, an example take would be like a parachute. Like, yeah, like a parachute is required to have the skydive. Like, you know, beyond the obvious jump. No. Okay. No. Are you the fuel truck? You fucker. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) See, I told you you were going to get this a lot Uh, faster than you thought. (laughs) Nailed it. What's the record? (laughs) That was, how many was that? That was like five or six, I think. Five or six. That's the record. That's the record. That's the record. (laughs) Sign it up. Put them on the wall. Nice. Good job. Ballers Call of Fame. (laughs) That was so much faster than I expected it to be. (laughs) You asked really good questions, though, too. So um, broad spectrum. I I know I gave you like a, a 
pep talk uh, ahead of all of this, like when we discussed playing. But yeah, broad spectrum of questions are definitely the thing that help. Narrowing the drop zone down. Bad. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I appreciate yes, yes, that. Yes. Good looking out. Good looking out. <laughs> uh, do you want to play? Do you want to try? I'm going to be horrible at this. <laughs> Let me think of something. You got to keep oh. track of questions because yeah. I'm not going to. I got to. All right. Mm-hmm. You got a pen? I got this thing. All right. That works. Pencil. Ooh, red ooh. pencil. Oh, colored pencil. Sweet. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen one of these in forever. <laughs> it was in here <laughs> when I cleaned everything out. I was like, keep that. Back in the day. <laughs> I'll pull both ways. Of course. Well, Matt's old. It's <laughs> Okay. I, th- I think I got something. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so can you establish for me ahead of time though, if it's at the drop zone at the tunnel or both? It is a drop zone. It's drop zone. Drop zone okay. item. All right. Um, am I a piece of gear? Yes. Okay. Um, am I an electronic? No. Well, am I used on every skydive? No. Do students use me? I'm going to say no. Am I made out of fabric? Yes. Do I go in the airplane? And can you fit in the airplane? Or? No, do I just, am I ever in the airplane? Yes. Okay. So it's made out of fabric. It's a piece of gear. I do go in the airplane. I'm not used on every skydive. Students wouldn't use me. I'm not an electronic. It's not the rig. It's not, it's a specialty piece of gear. It's something you could add on. I don't hear any questions. Yeah, I know. I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking out loud. It's my process. <laughs> I mean, like she's, uh, she's just side eyeing me. Like, I wonder what if kind of response like, can I get? I wonder if it's like a specific type of gear, though. If it's like a bonehead helmet or a cookie helmet or an open face or, <laughs> you know. I think she's uh, just trying to get a rise out of me. <laughs> see if she can see my ears pop, perk up. They're covered by a head by headphones, so that would not be <laughs> Good Dude. indicator. Do his eyes get big when I say something? <laughs> so gonna, I'm up. I see um, your tricks. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. Am I worn on the head? No. Okay. So it's not on a helmet. <laughs> uh, I did Sean Kennedy's. Did you listen to it all the way through? No. It was I, a, it I was didn't a, see his twenty questions. It was a ring site, and or mine for him was a ring site, and he was just like, "I don't know what." The, I'm like, "I'm pretty sure you use this. I don't know what else." I don't know why you wouldn't. You're a camera flyer. That that would be some hard questions yeah, trying to get to ring yeah, site. Yeah, to ring site. Oh, All right. So it's a piece of gear. Right. Students wouldn't use it. It's not an electronic, so it's not an audible. It's not a Vizzo. Shout out LMB. Yeah. Shout out LMB. Sponsor me, please. <laughs> um, it's not part of your rig. Because it's not required on any sky di- on every skydive, so could it be could be a weight belt. It could be. Am I custom ordered for people? Yes. Uh, <laughs> that sounded like a question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I mean, I guess yeah. You can. You can. Yes. No. I'm not gonna give you extras. <laughs> yes. Custom All right. order. All right. Um don't need to take it on every is this used primarily by working professional skydivers no so other people could use it like other like uh, amateur skydivers could use it yes but it's not something that goes on your head it's not an electronic so it's not like a fly site or 
something a wingsuiter would use. Shout out flyside. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a Dekunu tracks everything. It's not. Dude, we're getting all the plugs in this. I like yeah. this. <laughs> uh, huh. My guess is it's like a piece of specialty gear. You're only nine questions in also, yeah, by the way, so you can hmm. feel like you're holding mm-hmm. on to these real time. I am. I <laughs> I'm very choosy. <laughs> I like to think out loud too. Very specific um, questions for that. It's got to be something that's added on after the fact. Like it's not. Is it a safety piece of safety equipment? No. So it's not a hook knife. Is that a question? No. <laughs> it's not a hook knife. I mean, it could be, I guess. Is it a neck buff? A what? A neck buff? No, it is not oh, a okay. neck buff. Is that kind of a question? Sure. All right. When are we up to 11 now? Yes, ma'am. Okay. At 15, can I have a clue? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, <coughs> oh, I suppose it's not worn on your head, so why would it? Why would I write in that say neck back? We could argue the definition of... <laughs> <laughs> we can use the uh, USPA competition definition of <laughs> head um, for VFS purposes. Let's see. They're not, they're not technically custom-made, though. They could be, but they're not. What, right? was, what was the question you asked? That, that question was, is it custom fit for you? Like, is it custom made for you? Are they custom made for you? And, you, and I said yes. You said yes. Yes. But you said it in a way that sounded like maybe not. Yeah, I'll give you that one. <laughs> I did. <coughs> I did. Okay. So it's something like way outside the spectrum like a fucking sit suit from like back in the day or anything no right? but that actually would be a really <laughs> good one. you should write that one down for uh for that you gotta gotta give someone a fighting uh, chance though too like that's such a good throwback i'm not even <laughs> charging a question suit. for that i'm not even gonna bump me on a question that's just if a, you've never seen the old school old school sit suits look it up right now because they are fucking crazy all you new skydivers that don't know what we're talking about <laughs> google that shit right uh, now i forget what they're they even i think tony's Tony suit still makes the wing. I think the, you can order a, like a the sit, sit suit wings. From, yeah, uh, Tony, like a proper sit suit from Tony suits. Yeah, neon colors only. <laughs> Look like he just walked out of the eighties or the nineties. Um, sit fly as God intended. <laughs> Nothing on your legs. All the things on your <laughs> arms and your shoulder joints just cranking your arms up. And we wonder how all these people <laughs> sit fly, how, how they think sit flying should work. Because yeah, like, right. yeah, they've watched too many sit fly sit yeah. suit videos. I want to see someone make a head down <clears throat> one, like a head down suit with oh. it on on the top of your arm instead. <laughs> I I want to have an old school free fly day, like nothing Let's do like it. old baggy suits, skin tight, half to fly pizzas, sit suits, like that is it. No yeah. tight suits, no, you know, I want to <laughs> no no flying like Garrett Bloodworth where they're all feet all nice and straight and all pretty and everything like that. No your shittiest body position Aren't you, you have. Shittiest body <laughs> position. You figured this out in the sky. <laughs> this is. Pizzas only, special delivery. <laughs> shoulders, shoulders up into your ears, like way up. Yeah, I'm gonna watch all these like tunnel ninjas have just mental breakdowns in the sky trying to yeah. fly like this. That'd be great. <laughs> um, okay, back on topic. Uh, let's see, it's a spe- piece of specialty gear, huh? Is it a suit of some kind? No. Okay. Is it partially made out of fabric? Or is the whole thing out of fabric? What's your question? Is it partially made out of fabric? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
so there's something <laughs> so it's a piece of the fabric is a piece of something um is it on the rig no okay what number is that is that 15 that is 14 okay um by my count but it's not a slider keeper is not a slider. No, <laughs> that wasn't a question. That was, that was a, a statement. You're trying to be Fine. sneaky. All right, give me a clue. All right, <laughs> this is your clue. All right. Um, yeah, exactly. That's not going to be like, obvious after that. <laughs> um, I wonder if people can hear them laughing out there. <laughs> they're having way too much fun. They're supposed to be walking. You're VFS supposed to be walking there. VFS. Chemtrails right now. is supposed to be being serious out there, having way too much fun. <laughs> Skydivers use this as an excuse for their shitty performance on a skydive. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but it's not that. a suit, so it's not a wingsuit. <laughs> and when you get this, it will be funnier. <laughs> Skydivers use this as a sh- as an excuse for their shitty flying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it's but it's not it's not a it's not a wingsuit, huh? It's not a wingsuit. Okay. It's not a suit. It's not a suit. <sighs> but it's not an electronic, so it's not an audible. Nope. It's made up partially out of fabric. Yep. <laughs> it can't possibly be a weight belt. Because that would improve your that would improve your performance, right? Is it a weight belt? It's a weight belt. What? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's a weight belt. I was like, I said it earlier too. I should have just gone with that. Yeah, you did. And I was like, I wonder if she's going to ask this. I was like, nice job. That was your six. It can't possibly be a weight belt. That's for improving it. Thanks. Okay. No, because all those belly flyers like to be like, I didn't have my weight belt. I didn't fly. I can't can't fly fast, so I'm going to need my weight. Got it. I can't fly fast without a weight belt. Yeah, you can just arch or swoopers. I need to have my weight belt. It can't be perfect on this. (laughs) Swoopers and weight belts. Ah, Okay. Nice job. That's fair. Weight belt. All right. Well, thanks. That was fun. That was fun. I actually did weight belt for somebody else. You can also find this in the tunnel, by the way. Weight belts. I guess you could use them in the tunnel, yeah. Yeah. That is something that could be in the tunnel also. (laughs) I did that for another person for actually the one I just dropped, uh, Mary, Mary Dolman. Nice. Um, she uh, wears a weight belt. I forgot that she wore a weight belt on every single belly jump ever. So I was like, I don't know if you wear this. I don't think so. I've never seen you wear one. Before. And it really threw her off. I was like, I'm really sorry. That was my bad. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. All right. Well, that was fun. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, we're going to wrap it up there, though. All right. If that's OK with you. I know this is a lot of fun. It was too much fun. <laughs> Just staring and talking <laughs> about skydiving. Um, <laughs> no, Sitting here staring. Don't do that. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> uh, all Hello, right. Sam. Yeah. It's radio DJ voice over there. I, um, I, I actually was going to say that you have a very good podcast voice well, on this thing I thank you I, I appreciate that um elliot just told me he didn't ask he just told me he said he, you're gonna be doing the the voiceover on the uh tandem the tan the new tandem video i was like oh okay i think that's like, an excellent choice right. so I'll, I'll have to like really do a couple of test runs and see how it all sounds so this i mean these mics though too are like phenomenal these these completely revolutionize the sound um and especially being in this room i can't wait to um to use more of this stuff to like uh soundproof the door in that corner 
sometimes you can hear the lawnmower over here yep. and like cars going by, but you can definitely hear people through that, through the doorway over here laughing and stuff. So can't wait to like really soundproof this place and make it really sound nice. It already sounds great, but like take it a step further. So like you're saying constant, constant improvement. Constant improvement. I mean, Oh, two weeks ago, I didn't know how any of this stuff worked either. So look at you now. <laughs> look at it now. I'm just, just winging it <laughs> and it's somehow working out. Go, Call me. Well, we do, right? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, this should work. There we go. Trial and time. error. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That being said, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much, Scott, for uh, indulging me in, and participating in your in your very own episode and the episode the other day, which will probably drop after this one. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks Appreciate for having it. me. This is a blast. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you got a really, really cool thing going here. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing more fun facts and also more 20 questions. I'm really excited to see just the carnage that goes on with all My favorite thing about that is, and and I know this is true because I've already had people text me and be like, I was trying to figure out what the hell you were talking about. And then you finally said it and you're like, oh, of course that makes sense. I've had people text me after the fact, after episodes drop and be like, oh, that's such a, like, that was such a good one. I didn't get that. That's nuts. Like, um, so the 20 question thing is people are playing along at home too. So that's, that's great. I like it. Yeah. Nice. All right. Okay. That being said, um, we're going to, we're going to sign off. Uh, thank you so much. Everyone listening. Thank you for listening. Have a good rest of your day. Safe jumps. Blue skies. Cue the music. Cue the- <laughs>